0: Are you ready to unlock the true potential of your body and mind? Introducing Analemma Coherent Water, a revolutionary new way to improve your health and well-being. Analemma has been clinically proven to significantly increase ATB levels. These are the mitochondrial energy of your body. It significantly improves your gut health by improving the state of your microbiome and provides up to 12 years of biological age rejuvenation within three months of drinking this water. Imagine having more energy, a healthier gut, a clearer mind, in the youthful body, with Analemma Water, it all stops being a dream. Take the first step towards unlocking your true potential. Try Analemma Water and revolutionize your life. Visit coherent-water.com. Every purchase comes with a hundred percent money-back guarantee. You can literally taste the difference, risk-free. Go to coherent-water.com. Don't forget to put in the code Genius10 to get some money off. Join the Water Revolution again. Go to coherent. He's the CEO and founder of Iron Tech Security. And we're going to talk about his uh, recent book called Hack the Rich and perhaps a bit about uh, Iron Tech itself. But Tom, welcome and thanks for coming.
2: Oh, it's absolutely my
0: pleasure to be here, Richard. I think this is our second time together. Yeah, it's been a while. But you know, for people that haven't heard before, tell me a bit about your background and then you know, we'll talk about uh, the new book, Hack the Rich.
2: Well, my background is I've been in management and and as a hobbyist in technology for almost 40 years. And more recently, which by that I mean the last 20 years, I founded the company a little over 20 years ago. And shortly after founding the company, or about halfway through, I realized that cybersecurity is becoming a really, really serious problem. And it's accelerating. And with the advent of AI, which I'd like to talk a little bit about, we, we right now as we speak, this is a seminal event in the hacking industry. Uh, which means we have to respond and understand the threats that we're all subject. So as we started working with these companies, providing the cybersecurity defense services to protect them from hackers like ransomware attacks, extortionware, Mm -hmm. and just all sorts of attacks, we started noticing that the owners and the management of the company, they were still exposed in their personal lives. So it started making me go down this road of saying, well, wait a minute, if they get hacked, even if it's personally, that's going to have an effect on the leadership and the management of the company because it's very time-consuming and stressful to undergo an attack, a serious attack, and they're typically high net worth individuals, so it's lucrative for hackers to actually target them, and then the statistics were showing an increase in targeted attacks on high net worth individuals. And then going down another couple of years down the road, we actually had a family business that had been attacked or hacked. They lost $400,000 due to either a unauthorized wire transfer or ACH. I can't
0: remember which. Initially, this sounds like anyone in business or at work needs to somehow firewall, let's say, work activity and communications with personal. but it's all tied up like in our phones, essentially. It's all commingled. That's just my gut feeling from what you said so far. Absolutely, and in fact, any device that you
2: use to remote into the company network becomes an attack vector for that network. So if you don't practice the same administrative, technical, and physical controls on the family or personal device, then you've weakened your total defense structure. So you know,
0: is there any software that on a phone? So let's say, you know, I use my phone for work personal. So, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm, I want to email a colleague on my phone or text them. I text them. That text comes in for my wife and it comes into the same app and I want to text to back. So I text to back. But how has anyone developed software again to somehow segment, you know, in the same device, two kinds of activity, work and personal? And do you think that would be useful to have something like that?
2: Yes, there's a lot of different types of technology to address that issue. First thing that comes to mind is uh, email, okay? Because business email compromise is a real clear and present danger for everyone. Lots of malicious things and, and different types of attacks can occur over that. And so if you're using, you know, say a, if your company uses a Microsoft Exchange server, but your personal email is Gmail, both of those exist on your phone If the company detects a compromised phone, it can remote erase all the emails, contact, and, you know, calendar entries and everything just are those apps that are served up by the exchange server. In other words, the Gmail account will remain unaffected. That's just one example of how to, you know, to kind of from an administrative and security standpoint, how you could protect the company when you've got to bring your own device policy?
0: Well, like, you know, what I thought of is like, let's say for email, if I have uh, one icon for personal email and one icon for work email, would that be enough? But then, you know, I, I know what happens too is like, I'll open up an application and if I don't go to the uh, certain screen and like, you know, swipe up to get rid of the application, it's still open. So... I don't know how how does technology reconcile let's say again a single device a dual use and allow the person to seamlessly go back and forth without too much hindrance to them but still secure them you just hit the nail on the head so
2: so all of these different scenarios you know whether it's bring your own device or you have to use company owned devices and then you're going to use that in your personal life right you you've got to do you've got to balance and do a risk analysis productivity and efficiency versus security and do a risk analysis on that. What is looking at our risk profile, the type of clients that we deal with, the data that we handle, our own proprietary, perhaps intellectual property that we handle, and all of these different components that go into a risk assessment all have to be weighed against those very specific policies of managing a bring your own device do you even allow a bring your own device and on and on and on so there's always almost always there's a productivity trade-off with security not always there are some modern thought-leading policies that i and a few others started questioning and we continue to question and every once in a while we get a win for the security guys, where we actually come up with a policy that makes it both more secure and less hassle. But but everybody's risk profile is different. So for me to say, well, in this environment, you know, in your environment, this is exactly what you do. Everyone has a different risk profile. So what
0: uh, what do you think you know, I don't know? Billionaires do, or real high end, or CEOs of uh, you know the large companies do? Like I don't know, Tim Cook, at Apple. What do you think would be a, a protocol that he should follow because he is, you know, such a high net worth and such a, a person that has access to data that would be incredibly valuable to hackers? Oh,
2: well, I, I would hope that he's using uh, every device that he owns is under serious security protocols, not to mention Apple's a very secretive company anyway. So, you know, they've got reasons besides hackers. Well, they've got reasons to secure everything because the typical threat actors right, they have to worry about uh, p- perhaps an unscrupulous reporter trying to hack their devices. But, it, it, you know, a company of that size, that that's different than just your regular run-of-the-mill high net worth individual. And purest definition of a high net worth individual is someone that has liquid wealth of a million dollars or higher. And there's a lot of them. There's over 30 million in the United States alone. Now, I'm not talking about real estate. It's got to be liquid. You know, gold, Bitcoin, cash, investment accounts, stocks, that kind of stuff. You know, lots of people are millionaires on paper when you include real estate. And then you get into the ultra-high net worth individual, and that's when you get into the billionaires. You might be surprised at how many billionaires I know that fly under the radar, and they have a very, very unique
0: risk profile. Are you ready to unlock the true potential of your body and mind? Introducing Analemma Coherent Water, a revolutionary new way to improve your health and well-being. Analemma has been clinically proven to significantly increase ATP levels. These are the mitochondrial energy of your body. It significantly improves your gut health by improving the state of your microbiome and provides up to 12 years of biological age rejuvenation within three months of drinking this water. Imagine having more energy, a healthier gut, a clearer mind, and a youthful body. With Analemma Water, it all stops being a dream. Take the first step towards unlocking your true potential. Try analemma Water and revolutionize your life. Visit coherent-water.com. Every purchase comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. You can literally taste the difference risk-free. Go to coherent-water.com. Don't forget to put in the code genius10 to get some money off. Join the water revolution. Again, go to coherent-water.com and put in the code genius10 for a discount. What does a low level of security, but yet still security look like for an individual versus like a very high level of security? You know, you don't have to go into crazy detail, but those two scenarios, what are some key elements that would give them some protection versus a lot of protection? Well,
2: uh, the the first thing to do, and this is good advice for anybody, and, and in fact, all of this is for anybody. It's not just because you're worth money, okay? Everyone has data that needs to be kept private. Privacy, confidentiality, and security go hand in hand. If you're under the mistaken belief that you have nothing to hide, go ahead and search my emails. I promise you, you have something that needs to be protected. Username and passwords to your bank account, your email account, your Facebook account, your Amazon account, the list goes on and on and on. So just something as simple as quit reusing passwords. 90% Ninety percent of the population reuses passwords across multiple sites and applications and and all bank accounts, whatever. Even though sixty percent know they shouldn't do it, that's and that is the wrong
0: trade-off with convenience and security. For forty, yeah, the, the problem though is like, let's say I use like a password software. You know, I can't remember all these passwords. First of all, so if I use a password software, now I have let's say a hundred accounts in there but I only have one password that guards the password software. So if someone gets there, it just seems to be like, what? what's the difference? You know, if they get in there, then you're really screwed. Right.
2: But that password needs to be unique. It's never been used before. And it needs to be 20 plus characters. And it needs to be something that you can't brute force an attack. You've got all your eggs in one basket. But using a password manager is still the best alternative.
0: Okay, so you don't see that it's like a, a complete trade-off. Even though now if they get one password they can get into the whole thing, it's still better than just reusing the same password because you're relying on memory. Oh, of course. It's better.
2: As long as that one password is more
0: is secure. So what's one step up from there? So let's say I'm all right, I'm using a password manager at least. I got like this really long password that goes in there. What else can I do? Should I do two SA on my password manager? Would that be even better? Or what should I do next?
2: Yes. Some sort of MFA or 2FA, you know, biometrics fine, you know, getting a uh, SMS text, that's okay. But yeah, you should
0: turn on MFA everywhere you can. And just for listeners, so 2FA is two-factor authentication. It's like when you put a password into a site and then it'll text you a code and you put that in, that's an example of it. So MFA could be, again, like you said, biometrics, SMS code, you know, things like that. So that's That's like the next level. And is is that good enough for most people, or like to what point should they go to where it becomes like the trade offs are not worth it for most folks? I do think that's good enough for most people. The next technology, which
2: has been predicted for twenty years, is a password less technology, and the every year it seems like it's supposed to be imminent. You know, Apple, Google, Microsoft are all working on it. You know, the keychain technology built into Apple devices is is really secure. But I still use MFA instead of Keychain. I save it in Keychain. And that brings up another change. Do not save credentials in a web browser except Safari and arguably Firefox. Google Chrome gets compromised. Passwords have been stolen out of it. All the Microsoft browsers. It's just not a safe place to store them. Nor is it convenient. You know, you may need it outside of a browser. It's hard
0: to get to. So, you know, I want to move on to your book shortly, but I just have a couple more questions about, you know, your security stuff. So, who's your your typical customer as well, like a small business or a large enterprise and, you know, what what kinds of things do you have to do to start assessing and then helping at, uh, you know, a, whatever size enterprise that's uh, tighten up its security? Yeah, our
2: sweet spot is small to medium-sized businesses and, you know, I net worth individuals. The you know, anywhere between 50 to 500 endpoints but we still do much smaller ones and, large, and we can do larger ones. And it, so, you know, that's step one. These are international standards. National Institute of Standards and Technology has a cybersecurity framework and there's five steps to it. Number one, identify. That means we've got to do an in-depth risk analysis on the company, identifying where the data is stored, how the data is stored, what is their current security hygiene look like? In other words, are they reusing passwords? Do they share credentials? It, who, what are their clients? We, basically, we have to think about all of the stakeholders in the organization. Vendors, clients and customers, employees, and then once all of those data points are collected, a strategy is formulated to do step two in the NIST cybersecurity framework. And this is, it's not unique to NIST. There's no magic formula. Anyone in InfoSec or the cybersecurity industry can tell you this is what you do. So that means we need to know, you know, what's your annual revenue? You know, sometimes they don't disclose it to us, but without that piece of information, you know, we may assume this five-person law firm does a million dollars a year, but there's actually five people law firms that do $20 million a year. That changes their risk profile. And I would argue that there's very few fin- uh, vendors that any of our clients use that don't that develop and maintain a, the the that close of a, a of a relationship because we're talking to them every day
0: and we're monitoring every day. And oh wow, okay, yeah. So, what, once you're in place doing monitoring, now you probably have a really interesting opportunity to see what kind of threats are coming in, how many, and from where, and what kinds. So what what have you seen, you know, in general for the various businesses and individuals that you help, like what, what kind of threats come in that maybe you weren't aware of, they're not aware of, you knows like what does it look like the landscape? Oh, wow. Everything. I mean, every threat imaginable. There are some of the top few that maybe are even surprising, but what are like the most frequent or potentially damaging? I think it's
2: interesting the fact that people don't realize that just their router at home or in their office. You know, that internet connection is being attacked 100 times a second with automated bots. I think that would be, that's the most curious thing that people don't understand. I personally, it's fascinating to, it's fascinating to see how different scams or psychological manipulation or social social engineering is used in order to facilitate these attacks. Because over 90% of attacks are caused by a human failure you know they're conned into letting the criminal into the company network and that's something that you really need to get your head around all of these under other wonderful tools and administrative controls and all the monitoring and managing and remediation and mitigation and and even deployments and doing the risk analysis but it is really all of it's there all these multiple layers of defense you know we practice or best practices are defense in depth. Anybody that's been in the military knows what I'm talking about. We got to have a layer to back up that layer and a layer to back up that layer because we assume, number one, the human layer is going to fail. And then number two, we may assume that the second layer or the third layer or the fifth, tenth layer will fail. So we got to have a layer backing up that layer and a layer backing up that. And so when you when you really look at the the big picture, knowing that these devices that are just connected to the internet is being automatically attacked by bots, programming scripts, and other methods. At scale, there's a lot of battles being done just on the automated standpoint. But the ones that are that really intrigue me is when these con jobs are pulled. Those are absolutely fascinating to me. And that's something that both of the books that are currently out and the one that I'm working
0: on now is talking about that human element. It's, so let's let's segue into the book. So what is the uh you know this book about hack the rich. What does that mean? Well,
2: it's about the. Uh, hopefully, it's about. Well, it, it is about the ways that high net worth individuals and and really anybody, anybody, average person, does it, regardless of what your wealth is or not. You know, it goes through the ten th- dumb things that you that people do to sabotage their own security. Okay, reusing passwords is a perfect example of that. But the point of these books is they're not written for. My peers, they're not written for technical people. Both of them and the forthcoming book this year, hopefully, have a fictional component. There's a story inside of it that illustrates whatever failure it was. The management failure, the leadership failure, which is honestly most of them. You know, if you don't provide cybersecurity awareness training to your firm, that's a management or a leadership issue. It's not not a personal issue. They just didn't know right? They weren't aware of the scale of the industry or the tactics being used. they can't identify a con job in an email. They didn't even think it could happen to them. They're a small company. Who would want to hack us type of deal? And that's, that's, that's bad management at the least.
0: So what are so, some of the feedback you've gotten from your books? Like, what are some surprising things that readers have said? Oh, oh my God. You know, or if they become a client, like, oh my God, we didn't even know that this was possible. But you know what? What statements lead people to say things like that to you?
2: Well, the first thing is I I hear, I do at least eight out of ten of the things that you say is the dumbest things you can do. And then the other one is uh, I really couldn't put the book down because the the story inside of it is uh, really a good story, and the main character is what's known in the business as a gray hat hacker. So the goal of it, and hopefully I accomplished if any of you read the book, is we we wanted to set a story up that's like a heist movie, you know, like The Italian Job or Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, Thirteen, whatever, and really show the cleverness and the sheer scale of these attack teams that their equivalent is inside the cyber underworld. So sun Lu is is his alias. That's his name. It's not his real name because no hacker uses their real name. But he's a gray-hat hacker. He lives in both worlds, you know, but he has a code of ethics and morals. And the first two books, he helps out the same person. In Hack the Rich, he's helping out a guy that is nominated to be Secretary of State. And all the stupid things that this guy did to potentially compromise military secrets at a university. And so the story keeps everyone engaged. And, you know, the ratings reflect that apparently everybody likes them both. So.
0: Okay, well, so what the Pat the Rich book, again, what is the premise of that particular book? What message do you want people to get out of it? And is that the starting book that people should go to when they first contemplate security, or do you have another one that we think would be the best entree to learning about this?
2: The first book is about surviving the, the uh, global cyber pandemic. And this is about the principle of what does a global cyber pandemic look like? It looks like covid Except it's going to spread in minutes and hours instead of weeks and months. And it's going to be more devastating than COVID was in worst case if this ever happens. Now, some
0: experts say we're, we're already in a though. It's not an illness. What, but is, the analogy is strange. I mean, like, you know, again, what, what would it look like? What's an example of something like that happened? Well, imagine
2: if a virus, a computer virus, is unleashed on industrial control systems either intentionally or unintentionally, probably unintentionally at this scale. And it affects every Siemens controller seven around the world and water shuts down, airplanes crash, robotic surgery kills people, and it spreads in, in hours and days instead of weeks and months. You know what i It that's it, makes, it makes COVID look like a speed bump if this were to ever happen. Now, some people, some experts say we are already having a cyber pandemic just by the sheer number of attacks around the world every day you know it's a multi-trillion dollar business trillion around the but world all the all the what the ransomware the hacking and like it, and it's it, just- that that's what that's what the whole thing that's what it called that's what packing cost the entire world every year they feds the good guys bad guys great guys whatever it's a huge huge industry there was one group. There was one ransomware attack that was done by a group going as the the alias of G and Crab. It's a play on the words, right? C and Grab. In one ransomware attack, they grossed 3.5 billion with a B billion dollars in one single attack. They themselves, the two individuals that is G and Crab, netted 300 million dollars apiece. The rest of it was spread out all the other gangsters, or the gang members like Ocean's Eleven, right? Okay. Yeah, and and so now just think about, that's just one, it was two masterminds, you know, the Rusty and Danny, you know, of Ocean's Eleven, those two masterminds did that whole ransomware attack, and, the, and so then just imagine there's thousands of those occurring every day. There's not many three and a
0: half billion dollar ones, but it's easy to get ten million dollars. That's a no-brainer. You know, I, I don't know. I probably, you know, if we need to scrub this, that's fine. But I, I'll, I'll give you an idea. It's probably a bad idea to put it out publicly. I don't know. But if I was one of the bad guys, I would think that by now, after multiple attacks on databases, that if you aggregated the knowledge of X number of hackers, you would probably have social security numbers, birth dates, and a whole bunch of other personal information on like pretty much everyone, let's say in the United States. And if you aggregated all that and sat on it for, two years and then started using it, no one would know where you got that data or how you got it. And it would be such a vast amount, like, you know, even with passwords and things like that, you could still use some of these personal challenge questions and things like that and personal data to to impersonate or get into people's accounts. Like, have you seen that happen? Is there coordination going on between the bad guys?
2: Oh, there's absolutely collusion and coordination going on with not only the criminals, but nation states. But you, getting back to illustrating of your point there, you would be caught. It's not that simple. That, that's that I can't. I, there's ten different ways to track that down. How that happened. That's what. That's why there's a lot of there's a lot of industries that
0: keep event logs forever. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah. are they, I guess because they're used later on to figure out or corroborate what's going on. Right, and some industries
2: are required by regulation to do that. Oh, now that's the, why. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can, you can, you got a log from the router, you know, just because it's a network device doesn't mean it can't be monitored and, and all that information stored. You just, you, there's, there's tools that sit on the network and do nothing but ingest data from these Internet of Things devices, then just store it. So you can pretty much unlimited storage these days. So you're never going to run out of space, but these logs aren't that big anyway. And then you can piece it together. The forensic analysis can connect dots. Just like they can retrieve money out of Bitcoin wallets like they did with the Colonial Pipeline attack. Bitcoin is traceable.
0: Oh, traceable, I understand, but uh, okay. No,
2: Bitcoin is traceable.
0: I know it is traceable. You can see what address sent to what, et cetera, and all that. Probably time and date stamp, maybe even location as well. But getting, you know, forcing coins out of a wallet without the private key, is that, have you seen people they have been able to do that? Well,
2: the FBI clawed back about $3 million out of a $4.5 million ransom that Colonial paid. Well, how did they do that, if you can say? They somehow got the private keys. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. This is high-level professionals on both sides. They're at the top of their game. They're using highly advanced technology and techniques. And, that, and and it's done at scale. I can't stress that enough. Do you re- For those of you that really want to get into the dark side and really want to understand these crazy hacking stories, Nicole Perlroth, the cybersecurity reporter for the New York Times, wrote a book titled, This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends. And she spent 10 years, and I, and I think still is, she spent 10 years walking around with gray hat and black hat hackers researching. And the book has got tons and tons. That one third of it is citations, where this data source came from. And then a lot of it's describing these various attacks and the the people involved and their personalities. And it's a fascinating, fascinating book. So don't let the, don't let the sheer thickness of the book steer you away from reading it. Just keep in mind is a third is reference material. Which means it's well-researched and documented, by the way. So these incredible stories
0: she tells that are unbelievable are indeed fact. So what what's the best you can do? Just make yourself less of a target? Or, you know, like, let's say I have a car and I want it to be stolen. Like, I could put an alarm on it, a low jack, a club, you know, lock the doors, have a security guard look at it, keep it under the lights, cameras. I mean, eventually, though, if someone wants to steal it, they probably will. But at least they'll move on, let's say, to other cars if I have, you know, two or three, four defenses on it. Is it the same for being hacked? Like, you know, there's really nothing you could do to stop everything, but you can reduce your attack surface and become less of a target. Is that what you would say? That that's exactly right. It's all about
2: you reducing your risk profile. There is no such thing as being 100% secure. The NSA themselves were hacked and their warfare, cyber warfare tools were stolen. If they can be hacked, and the Russian whatever GS what is their what I can't remember the name for the KGB now GSM or something. Oh, I, I just keep calling it KGB because I'm old. But uh, yeah, if, if these nation state and these cyber these elite best in the world offensive cyber warfare military units can be hacked, anybody can be hacked. So you, you anybody can be mugged. You can be mugged in broad daylight. In front of the J. Edgar Hoover building. But you 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 don't want to be an easy target. You know, the, you know you keep your house from broken into. I live in a relatively safe neighborhood, a relatively safe town. I still lock my doors, but I don't have my home alarmed, although I should. I don't have my home alarmed. And uh, so, you, you know, you, you want that reducing your tax service. If you do nothing, I don't know what time frame this is, but let's say, in five years, 10% of you are going to get hacked. It might be 20. I don't really know. I've seen some stats that they're kind of vague. But let's just say you've got a 10% chance of being hacked in five years. Maybe your life destroyed or your company destroyed. Because many 40 to 60% of businesses that suffer a major cyber attack go out of business in no more than two years. So oh, now, wow. now you've got people going out of work, right? You've got employees that have to find a new job. Not to mention the fallout from fines penalties, reputi- reputation, if you're an accountant or a lawyer, you may not recover. You know, you just can't close your office down and reopen under another name. Those are personal reputations. You know, if you're a doctor, you've got patient records, which gets into the identity theft. So instead of being, by doing the practices that are outlined in the, both of those books and published on our website and as part of ISO standards and COVID and NSF CSF, all of these different industry standards and anything any good cybersecurity specialist will tell you, it's going to shrink that risk factor from 10% to like 0.1% or 0.01% chance of being attacked. And then, and so then the only other thing you have to be aware of, aware of, and this is what makes high net worth individuals unique as well, is targeted attacks. That means time and money and effort is used to investigate and make the con even better. So, Iron Tech is targeted. They know that if they can break into us, it's a very lucrative environment because we protect so many other companies. We advise new employees that as soon as they change their where they're working at on their LinkedIn, within a week, they're going to get a targeted email. And it's happened, almost without exception. Now, with the advent of artificial intelligence, now they can just use AI to go out on the web and find out who directly reports to Tom and automate the entire process beginning to end. So what we're going to see this year, and it's going to happen quickly, and and I don't think anyone, including myself, fully appreciate the seminal event this part of AI is making possible. But in regards to just an email, and there's lots of uses with Using AI incorrectly in, in hacking, but just being able to scale and do high volume targeted attacks is making everyone uh, more vulnerable. That change in technology has mm. increased everyone's risk profile.
0: So, all right, uh, to this moment, are there trends that you see in, in hacking? Are there certain industries that are honeypots or hotspots? Are there ones that are, you know, going more quiet? Like, how is uh how is hacking evolving now in 2023? What do you see?
2: Uh well, the, I think the two biggest things in 2023 is is AI, like I just mentioned. I think that's the that's my biggest worry. And and I, I and every day I work a little bit on AI trying to figure out new possible ways to use it against us. But I'm thinking I'm just gonna have to wait, just see what happens and just figure it and do do post mortems on these new style of attacks. But that's the that's the number one thing in my mind. And then the other, the trends is, I think at uh, the end of last year, last quarter of last year, a stat came across that says they forecast, well, no, it was currently 25% roughly increase on attacks on high net worth individuals, and it's accelerating. So that's the reason I got the book out as fast as I could. So this year, that's, that you, you know, you better beware if you, you know, you're in that category. And there's 30 million plus of you out there. So a lot more people out there are at that category than most people realize incidentally it only takes it only takes like uh last time i checked like 12 million dollars to be worth, be in the top one
0: percent so it, it's a bigger problem oh, okay um are hackers constantly trolling to see not only where they can get in but where is it worthwhile to get in can they evaluate from the outside somehow with tools that oh well this person has a you know, it has fifty million versus this one that has like five million. Forget him, let's grab the, the, the juicier one, you know? Sure. And, and with artificial
2: intelligence it'll make it uh, easier. You know, they can hack the uh, you know the Rob Report? It's got all the yachts and Bugattis and all these expensive rich people's play toys in it. Okay. Hack the Rob Report subscriber list. There's your okay. there's your list right there. There there's Is that where you did that, it? and then trungulate yeah, it. it. We'll do well i'm sure it's been done i don't know of any specific report but it, if i've thought of it don't you You know the hackers certainly have
0: yeah but i'm saying what are you, are you are you seeing that they're like really eighty twenty aficionados and are they very efficient in how they target or are they lazy and just using bots to like cast a huge wide net and then they're like oh let's attack everybody and you know are these attacks focused or like what's the hacker's methodology is it like a they cast a wide net at first, and then they hone in and then attack. Or what do you see? Well, it depends on what their specialty is. You know, uh,
2: a, a general practitioner or a DO doctor. You know, their family doctor. They practice family medicine. They do, they do it at scale. They see a lot more patients. Neurologists highly specialized. They're extremely well paid, and they have a lot fewer patients. Uh, but that's what that but they can only do one thing well whereas a gp is a general blend of knowledge that and they're very valuable you know to coordinate and orchestrate those specialists for different reasons but uh, if you look at their gross revenue you know often they're going to be similar uh, now I, I i'm simplifying it you know a very well paid plastic a very talented plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills is going to make by far more than a gp in Beverly Hills but generally speaking in the environment and your practice, and 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 that's a good analogy to how many specialties there are in the criminal hacking industry. There's there's criminal groups that do nothing but create software or create attacked construction kits. In other words, point and click ransomware attacks. The you, the criminal that's doing the ransomware attack downloads a piece of software and just answers a bunch of questions. And clicks through with the mouse and bam his attack is ready to deploy so a specialist built that so they've got a business model that says we can make money this way another specialist provides help desk services to victims of ransomware attacks helping them obtain Bitcoin helping them with technical problems on decrypting the files when they pay the ransom okay. that that's what I'm that's what I mean by this is all done at scale using specialist so yeah, sometimes it's a volume game, sometimes it's a, uh, it's a rich target game. And then you get into the individual tactics of what's the best way to go about it. Yes, okay. You ever seen the movie Focus with Will Smith? No, I don't think I've seen that one. What's it about? Yeah, well, it's really interesting because they're pulling a bunch of cons. This is just one part of the movie, and I'm not going to give away. And I, It didn't do well in the box office, but it's a fascinating story. They He's got a group of criminals of, I don't know, 50 plus or minus? And they're in New Orleans for a Super Bowl, and they're pulling all sorts of cons. So for them, it was a volume game. Low risk, low reward, but they had so many people, and the the, the types of jobs that they were pulling, you know, it may be $100 here or $1,000 here, but they did so many of them because there were so many people there. I think they got, I forgot how much money it was, $10 million or something. Whereas Ocean's Eleven is going after Terry Benedict in that movie, and it's one target, highly researched, concentrated, highly specialized skills, and a on a very professional team of criminals. So those are just two analogies to the to the typical
0: criminal world. Well, you mentioned earlier, I'd I tell you my you know my horrible idea of what criminals can do, and you seem to be pretty confident that oh, with forensics we could find out all kinds of stuff and we would stop that. So when criminals steal. How often are they able to enjoy their ill-gotten gains versus that being tracked down and you know repatriated back to the people it was stolen from? Like has it ever happened or very rare? And you know, do these yeah. guys again get off scot-free or what? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So it's <clears throat> the short
2: answer is complicated. But, but the real answer is a great number of these live in and conduct their crimes from untouchable countries. North Korea, Russia, some of the eastern the, the Eastern Bloc countries that were formerly part of the Soviet Union, they have lack police standards. In the case of Russia, they want the criminals there. They're permitted to conduct their crimes there because the Kremlin and their criminal, I call them mercenaries, are frequently aligned in their objectives. So most people don't know this or... It, it, they they weren't made aware of it, but five or six years ago, Russia did an all-out cyber war against Ukraine. This was long before the military invasion, by the way. And some people think it was a test run to see how far they could go. And they literally brought Ukraine to their knees. Planes stop, trains stop. They didn't even know if Chernobyl was going to leak radiation. Food delivery, so supply chain was broken. They walked. It, it went into the winter. And Russia pulled their horns back in. They stopped just short of killing people. And like I said, some experts think it was a test run in case they need to do all-out war with the United States. But one of the tactics that they did on that was they told all the criminals in there to attack at will. But don't attack any target in Russia. Now you're thinking, how would you do that? How would you prevent it from accidentally happening to a Russian company? You know, they may have, you know, locations in Ukraine or whatever. So rather than relying on the unreliable way of using geolocation with IP addresses, they simply instructed the virus or whatever type of attack it was to not execute unless it saw the Ukrainian language. You know, when you set your language on your computer. So if if it's all Russian or English or any other language besides Ukrainian, it wouldn't execute. Or they might have used a different tactic. I've heard it both ways. They might have just said attack, even unless it's Russian,
0: you know. And so, so, what, so what's to prevent? I don't know uh, mass destruction happening. Is it just that again, most people are motivated by money, so they want to just get the money. They don't care about you know, by uh, just gratuitously destroying everything. Or is there a uh, a percentage of hackers that just are nihilists, don't care? They they'll destroy everything just for fun.
2: I don't think there's I don't think there's the ones that are going to destroy everything for fun or else it, that would have already happened. The biggest risk I see is, you know, is like a a a virus for an animal that accidentally gets out of the lab. You know, we've all seen World War Z. I think that was a lab released zombie deal. Anyway, you know what I mean? You know the deal with China but you know, the speculation that it was actually right. engineered, okay? Yep. Well, the same thing with the computer virus, I think that You know, one of these cyber warfare offensive weapons, such as Stuxnet, is being used against us right now. And the NSA and Israel went to great lengths because they knew how dangerous that virus would be if it got out in the wild. And uh, they went to great lengths to make sure it only executed in that environment. But now it's been stolen, it's being used against us, and it's being modified. And I think either a nation state or a criminal organization is more likely to accidentally unleash that. If it happens, I want to I carefully preface everything. I think the, this, this event in time where we're seeing the possibilities of AI in real time, in real life now, you know, it's moving that doomsday clock up a few notches, right? So I think it's increased likelihood. I don't think it'll be intentional. I think it'll be an accidental. But the more we protect ourselves right now, the less damage that is likely to occur. You know the Stuxnet virus can be stopped with modern
0: security defenses, undetectable. Yeah, I read a I read a book about it and how sophisticated it was. It was amazing. Yeah, would, I mean, it, it would it, it, scan, it would scan for a certain model of centrifuge and, you know, put itself out there and then it would change the operator screen so everything looked like the machines are running properly and then it would cycle them fast slow fast slow to blow them up and wear them out and then it would remove itself in certain cases. It was amazing. Oh, yeah, it
2: absolutely was. Uh, You know, just the things that it did to go out of its way, just not. And, you know, another thing is that how did they distribute that virus into that facility? That facility was air-dapped. It wasn't connected to the outside world at all. And there's a real simple social engineering tactic that I I would just be surprised if, you know, they fell for it. Uh, There's some rumor going around that CIA or some spook agency can beam computer code with microwaves inside of facilities. I haven't seen anything that suggests that technology is real, but it's certainly possible and it's, and it's been theorized and I, I guess it's, been, it's proven that it's possible. Now, proving that it's possible and making it work in a real life application is, uh, is a world of difference in those two things, but at any rate, yeah, just because you unplug something, yeah, and then this is something else. Just because you unplug something from the internet doesn't make it safer, believe it or not. So, why? Well, I, mean, I, I would argue that uh, it makes it less safe. So, how um, could that be? You can't do software updates. That's the oh, big deal. Oh, okay. Right? And and let's not forget, is that we're not just talking about Windows patches. We're talking about firmware patches. You know, the software that's inside the chips, which is really just software, you know, it's just embedded on a chip. Those have to be securely patched or, or patches Security patches have to be applied. And uh, so, without it being connected to the internet, that makes that whole process much more prone to both not ever being done. But in order to keep it off the internet, how are you going to get that patch onto the system? You're going to use a CD ROM drive or a flash drive, or what's the method? Now, that device could become compromised. So, understood. Okay. Yeah. The average person needs to do the security updates as soon as they go. You know, that's another. It's, I don't think it's on the top 10 stupid things to do that's in the book, but some of those security updates are so critical that it needs to be done now.
0: You can't wait and let everybody else work the bugs out. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good, Tom. Well, wh- what's the best place for people to learn more about you? Like, should they start with a particular book or what's a website they can go to if they're like a small business or medium business? You know, what are some resources for listeners?
2: Yeah. But hey, on com. And our, to our YouTube channel, there are scads of hours and hours and hours of video. There's all sorts of printed reference material and resources that you can go down a rabbit hole with just our own stuff. If you want to know more about me, tomkirkham.com, there's, uh, you know, if you need a speaker for your event or whatever. But uh, either way, you get in contact with us, you know, if, if you want to direct a message to me, you know, if you go, to the, if you use the contact form at IronTech Security, and if it's for me, I'll get it. So don't worry about that. But, and there's phone numbers on both of those websites. So be happy thank to you. answer any questions you have because my number one job, it may sound like I'm trying to scare everybody to death because that's what Iron Tech does is provide those protection services. But, but in all honesty, I'm really here to increase security awareness. And that's, that's what my mission is and has been for a few years now.
0: Very good. Well, Tom, thank you for coming. And being open and uh, discussing all this on the on the podcast, so thank you very much. Absolutely, my pleasure, Richard. Are you ready to unlock the true potential of your body and mind? Introducing Analemma Coherent Water, a revolutionary new way to improve your health and well being. Analemma has been clinically proven to significantly increase ATP levels. These are the mitochondrial energy of your body. It significantly improves your gut health by improving the state of your microbiome, and provides up to twelve years a biological age rejuvenation within 3 months of drinking this water imagine having more energy a healthier gut a clearer mind and a youthful body with analema water it all stops being a dream take the first step towards unlocking your true potential try analema water and revolutionize your life visit coherent-water.com every purchase comes with a 100% money back guarantee you can literally taste the difference risk free go to coherent-water.com Don't forget to put in the code GENIUS10 to get some money off. Join the water revolution. Again, go to coherent-water.com and put in the code GENIUS10 for a discount. If you like this podcast,
1: please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs.